Amen. Go ahead and have a seat, and as you do, let's pray again together. Oh Lord, we need you. We need you for everything in this life. We particularly need you in this moment as we open your word. We need you to show us yourself, show us your glory. We need you to open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things in your word. And we need you to open our hearts to receive your word. We need your, your help to obey your word. May we not be like the man who looked at his face in a mirror and turned away and forgot what he was like, but may we be doers of your word and not merely hearers. Lord, sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. We open it with this anticipation that you speak to us, that you change us, that you challenge us, that you help us to have you as our vision, as our wisdom, to say riches we heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, both now and always. So Lord, receive the glory from your people in this moment. And we pray you'd help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So good to see you this morning. I've been praying that your new year will be full of grace upon grace from King Jesus. I thank God uh, that you're here, that we're here together. I don't want to take any Sundays for granted and the opportunity we have to be together, to sing these songs, and to listen to God's Word. I'm excited about 2023 for a lot of different reasons, and one of the most important reasons I'm excited about this year is because next Sunday, the plan is to begin a significant sermon series through Paul's letter to the Romans. That series is not going to be three or four weeks. It's not going to be three or four months. I don't know exactly how long it's going to take. I haven't even laid it all out yet because my mentality going into it is however long it takes. And so please pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for me. Pray for the others that will be teaching. Pray for us as a church as we begin that journey through Romans, God willing, next Sunday. But I felt compelled to take one Sunday here at the beginning of this new year before we dive into Romans and issue a challenge to us as a church to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the applications that I'm going to plan to make this morning is in regards to how vigorously we should give ourselves to studying the book of Romans together this year. And so turn with me to the very last verse of the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. This is how Peter ends this letter. Let's consider it together. This is the word of our glorious God. Peter says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. The verse is so short, I want us to read it again together out loud. Read this with me. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. 
This is the inspired Word of God. May He make it a reality in all of our lives. Now, in the book of 2 Peter, the Apostle Peter has urged Christians to be ready for the coming of the Lord. It's one of the themes of this book. The day of the Lord will come, and thus we ought to be people who live lives in holiness and godliness as we await the day of the coming of our Savior. This final passage in this book, chapter 3, verses 14 through 18, Peter urges us to be diligent, to be found in Jesus without spot or blemish. He says we should count the patience of the Lord as salvation for us. In other words, God is in the business of saving people between the two comings of our Savior. This is the day of salvation. He is patiently saving His people between the two comings. And Peter says we should be thankful for the Lord's patience because it means salvation for us. And in chapter 3, verse 17, Peter reminds his readers again that they should expect false teachers and troubles as they wait. As we wait for the coming of the day of the Lord, we should expect there to be false teaching and false teachers, and we should expect there to be all kinds of trouble in the world as we wait. He says, notice it in verse 17, that we should take care that we are not carried away. And then he says that he's concerned that we will lose our stability in the Lord. Have you ever felt like you've lost your stability in the Lord? I have. There are so many dangers, so many toils and snares in the world that it is easy to get knocked off of balance, to stumble, to lose our stability. You see, 2023 holds out great promise to us. All the possibilities of what God will do this year, and they are myriad. But this year will also contain a myriad of things that are designed to cause us to lose our stability in the Lord. And I don't want you, and I don't want me, to lose our stability in the Lord. And so notice the antidote that Peter gives to being carried away or losing our stability in the Lord. Peter gives a contrast and a command in verse 18. Notice Peter says, I don't want you to lose your stability. I don't want you to be carried away, but, verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's really the point of the book of 2 Peter and this very last verse of 2 Peter. Growing in Jesus will give us stability and patience as we wait for the coming of the Lord. Growing in Jesus, maturing in Jesus, sanctifying in Jesus will give us stability and patience as we wait for the coming of our Savior. And then Peter adds this brief doxology here at the end of this book to remind us that our growth and our stability is not our own doing. All glory both now and to the day of eternity belongs to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter ends by saying, Amen. So be it. And so this command to grow 
And the grace and knowledge of Jesus is a massive key to remaining steadfast and stable through life's waiting. As we wait year after year after year for the Lord's coming, what is it that God wants us to do? What is it that He expects of His people? Peter says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of your Savior. And let me highlight again that this is a command. It's not a prayer that we will grow. It's not an assumption that we should grow. It's a command for us to prioritize growing in the grace and knowledge of our Savior and Lord. But I'll be honest, I get a little nervous with commands like this. Commands like this make me a bit uneasy because I know enough of the Scripture, I know enough of my own heart that I can't make myself grow no matter how hard I try. I especially can't make myself grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior and Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says that he planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. In other words, Paul says, I can't take credit. Apollos can't take credit. No one else can take credit for the growth. Planting and watering are nothing. They are meaningless activities if God doesn't give the growth. If He's not sovereign over the growth. Unless the Lord builds a house, Psalm 127, it's builder's labor in vain. So how can Peter command us to do something that only God can do? Is this command just meaningless if we can't do anything to actually obey it? If we can't grow on our own, what's the purpose of the command? Well, we have to get comfortable with a little bit of mystery here because all through the Bible, we're commanded to do things that we can't do on our own. We are unable and yet we are accountable to obey God's commands. Listen, only God can cause us to grow, and yet you and I are responsible to put ourselves on the path to growth. Only God can get us to growth, to maturity, to stability, but we are responsible to putting ourselves on the trajectory of Growth. God has ordained means to grow that we should take full advantage of all the while knowing that all the growth comes from our God. So grow. It's a challenge for 2023. Grow. Grow. It's a command. But grow knowing you aren't the primary cause of your own growth. As we look out over this new year, we all know, at least those of us who have any age behind us, we know that before we even blink, we're going to be getting out the Christmas decorations that we just put back in the attic. But will we grow in that time? Will we merely grow a year older? Or will we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior? Will there be growth in our lives over this next year, over these next years, over these next decades? Now, let me offer two clarifications to this command to grow. 
The first clarification is this. Dead things cannot grow. Dead things don't grow. You see, Peter is assuming here that we have life in Jesus. In fact, this whole book is addressed, chapter 1, verse 1, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter is writing this to those who have life in Jesus. Only those who have faith in Jesus can grow. You have to have life in order for there to be growth. I hope you're hearing that. This is essential to understand. You can't grow if you don't have life. So if you aren't growing, maybe it's because you don't have life. If that's you, I urge you to respond. The main response to this command is to respond with repentance and faith in Jesus. Allow God's Word here to change you by realizing that you need your soul to be resurrected from spiritual death. Your sins have caused death in your soul and you need to be resurrected to life so that you can grow. It's the first clarification. Dead things can't grow. The second clarification is really the foundation for the application of this sermon. So those, this past seven or eight minutes was explaining the text and the context here and just sort of urging us to take seriously this command. But now I want to I shift to application. And so the second clarification is that spiritual growth is not some kind of mystical, sentimental, psychological, religious experience. True growth is not the result of discovering some deep, dark secrets that get you to some higher level of Christianity. True growth has nothing to do with unlocking any secret codes. Spiritual growth, like Peter is commanding here, is the result of a connection to the Lord Jesus Christ and through the application of His Word to our everyday lives. Spiritual growth happens when we're connected to Jesus and when we obey His Word. God has given us the path to growth in His Word. He's given us the path. He's given us the trajectory. He's given us the spiritual disciplines that are like steps on the path to Him giving us the growth that we need. And so what I want to do is administer something of a spiritual checkup here at the beginning of this new year. So I encourage you to get physical checkups at your doctor at least once a year, maybe several times a year. I encourage you to get your car inspected, checked up to make sure everything is running. Your house, your roof often needs to be inspected. Your marriage needs some sort of evaluation and and introspection. In fact, here in about a month, we're going to have a Marriage Emphasis Sunday where part of the goal is going to be to get you to, to check up on your marriage. You should check up on all these various things. You probably get a performance uh, review at your job. All of these things are things that ought to happen periodically to make sure we're on the right course. But more important than all of those is a spiritual checkup. A checkup based on the command to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want you to evaluate. I want to, to administer this spiritual checkup in hopes that it will help you see if you're growing and availing yourself of the means of growth that God has given. And so I want to ask you six diagnostic questions and press each of these six questions just a little bit further into you. All of the response to this command to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And then after we press into these diagnostic questions a little bit, 
We're going to go back to 2 Peter 3.18 and look at this doxology that Peter ends this letter with. And so, consider this a much-needed diagnostic evaluation of your spiritual life. Now listen, there's six questions I want to ask. Every one of these six could be an entire sermon series on their own. We're just going to touch on them, but listen, I want you to identify one, maybe two of them that God is really pressing into you about the growth that, that you need to see as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Here's the first question. Number one, are you reminding yourself of the gospel daily? Are you reminding yourself of the gospel daily? Another way to ask this would be to ask the question, are you preaching the gospel to your own soul? Are you applying the good news of Jesus to your everyday life? I cannot tell you how important this is to spiritual growth. Listen, we are called to specifically grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's not just generic growth that we're called to. We're called to gospel growth, growing in our understanding of and grasp of all that God has done for us in Jesus, growing in our amazement that so much grace has been purchased for us by our King, growing in amazement that all of these things that are true in the gospel are true of me. The great reformer Martin Luther said, the gospel cannot be grasped well enough. I want you to hear that. Christians that have been Christians for decades, I want you to hear this. The gospel cannot be grasped well enough. No one in this room has a sufficient understanding of and grasp of the gospel. No one has mastered or been mastered by the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ sufficiently. We are all, we are all gospel, uh, have gospel amnesia. We all forget it. We all neglect it. We all marginalize it. We all need to remind ourselves of it day in and day out. And this is a lifelong pursuit. Indeed, we could say this is an eternity-long pursuit to remind ourselves, to be reminded afresh of the gospel day and day, day after day. We hear, we hear a thousand messages every moment of every day from the world. We are bombarded from every side by the world's philosophies and theories. Friends, we're bombarded by our own thoughts and our own weaknesses every moment of every day. And so we Christians need to be reminding ourselves of the gospel every day. We need to remind ourselves every day that our hope is not in this world. We need to remind ourselves every day that we cannot earn God's favor by our good deeds. We need to remind ourselves daily that our sins have been forgiven and Jesus has given us His very own righteousness. Our sins transferred to Jesus. Jesus' righteousness transferred to us. We need to remind ourselves daily that Jesus is far better than fancy cars and popularity and good looks and financial security and worldwide fame. Jesus is better than all the things our hearts long for. Friends, preach this to yourself every day. Remind your soul 
of what God has done to save you through the grace of Jesus. Learn to rehearse the good news to yourself in your own mind. Remind yourself. Sing gospel-saturated songs to yourself. Tell yourself the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection again and again at every opportunity you get. I'm convinced this is the way to battle our tendency and temptation toward judgmentalism, toward legalism, and toward just plain grumpyism. That's, that's my tendency in today, just to fall into grumpiness. By rehearsing the gospel to ourselves all the time, we remind ourselves of who we are in Christ, of what Christ has done for us. This is how we plant, this is how we water, and ultimately this is how we grow, by reminding ourselves of the gospel every day. Are you doing that? Ask yourself the question, is that a regular part of your life? If not, what needs to happen to make sure you're reminding yourself of the gospel daily? Secondly, the second diagnostic question to ask yourself, are you regularly gathering for corporate worship? Are you regularly gathering for corporate worship? Now, I know this seems like a silly question to ask during a corporate worship gathering. Of course, we're regularly gathering. That's what we're doing right this moment. But you and I both know people who were regularly gathering just a few years ago who we rarely, if ever, see anymore. And so while you have ears to hear before your heart and my heart has been hardened to the things of God, I'm urging you to not neglect meeting together. Last Sunday, Mike reminded us of that Hebrews 10 passage that commands us of that. Not neglect the meeting of ourselves together. We can't be reminded of ourselves, remind ourselves often enough of the importance of what we do when we gather here. We're hearing God's Word proclaimed. We're being encouraged by the singing of our brothers and sisters. We're being pressed on to continue with Jesus and not give up. We're being reminded of the gospel. We're getting content to preach to ourselves throughout the week. Jesus is head of his church. The church is his body. It's his bride. And so listen, if we're going to obey 2 Peter 3.18 and grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus... We must stay vitally connected to Jesus' church, His body, His bride. It's one of the most important means of grace that God has given to help us grow in the faith is the local church. This, among God's people, is where God intends discipleship and maturity and sanctification to happen in our lives. And can I just tell you, this is not rocket science. This is not just making a decision to show up to the regular gathering of God's people is a huge, a huge step of just getting on the path to grow. Just showing up where God's people are gathered. Just showing up to hear God's Word proclaimed. Just showing up to get to know and love other sinners. This is where God gives the growth that we need. Of course, friends, God knows our hearts. There are times when it's entirely appropriate to miss the corporate gathering on Sundays. But friends, let's be honest. Far too many of us are lackadaisical about just showing up week by week. The slightest change in weather, and we have an excuse to not come. The slightest ache, and we stay in bed. The week has been difficult, and so we decide Sunday is a good time to get some housework done. 
Friends, is Sunday morning gathering corporate worship a priority for you and your family? Like, is it a priority that is above nearly every other priority? This is how we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you regularly gathering with God's people to sing His praises, to hear His word? Here's the third diagnostic question. Are you in community with others? Are you in community with others? And so this third question goes a little deeper than the previous one. Attending church is super important, but so is actually getting to know and being known by others. See, we have to follow Jesus together with each other. And so by community, I mean the ways you relate to your church family. So do you just attend on Sunday morning and then leave and never do anything else to get to know anyone throughout the weeks? Do you attend other activities that are designed to help you get to know other believers? This is the main point of our community groups. We have community groups that meet on Sunday evenings and members' home. This is their main point. They're a path to strengthening community and accountability among God's people. Our community groups are not perfect, but they are a means to growing in Jesus. In fact, God has designed us to need each other in order to grow. You can't grow on your own. You're not designed, you're not fashioned to grow by yourself on your own. You're fashioned to grow among the family of God. When my grandmother died a few years back, someone gave my family some peach trees uh, as a gift at the funeral. I took one of those peach trees home and planted it in my backyard, and my dad took another one of those peach trees and he planted it in his backyard. Now, over these years, it's been, I don't know, six or seven years now, we've not gotten a single peach to grow on our peach tree. None. Zilch. Zero. But my dad gets hundreds of peaches every single year on his peach tree. Now, I don't know anything at all about how trees grow, but I've been told that my tree doesn't grow because it needs the cross-pollinization from other trees. It needs other trees like itself to pollinate it so that it will grow. My tree doesn't grow without the help of other trees. And that's a perfect picture of how God has designed you and I. We're not made to follow Jesus by ourselves. We need each other. We need the cross-pollinization that happens in community groups, in Bible study classes, in other gatherings that, where we can get to know others and be known by others. So how can you increase your cross-pollinization this year? How can you increase your community with the people of God? Here's something real practical. What one to two families can you get to know on a deeper level this year? If you're not attending a community group or a Bible study class, that would be a place to start. Start attending one of those so that you can get to know others. But a second step would be, what one to two families can you specifically get to know on a deeper level? How can you grow as a result of going deeper into relationships in the church family? Are you in community with others? Fourth, fourth diagnostic question. Are you giving sacrificially? Are you giving sacrificially? Now listen, there are lots of ways to give. We should give of our time and service. 
We should give of ourselves emotionally to others. We should give of our talents. We should give of our skills. But friends, we can't give in all those various ways and neglect to actually physically give our money and possessions. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He didn't say where, where you spend your time, that's where your heart is. No, he said where you put your treasure, where you give to is where your heart will be. He says our heart always follows where we give. What we invest in, we prioritize and we care about. And I've seen this throughout my Christian life, not only in my life and my family, but in others, that regular sacrificial giving to the Lord's purposes is one of the most underestimated means of growth in the Christian life. When we give, we grow. Generous giving is one of the paths of growth in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul urges the Corinthians to excel in the grace of giving. He says, just as you excel in every other part of the Christian life, so excel in giving all the various ways we grow in maturity. Do we neglect sacrificial giving? Listen, the beginning of a new year is a great time to create a budget. And my encouragement would be, as you start your 2023 budget, prioritize giving to the Lord's purposes before anything else. God has blessed us so that we can grow in generous and cheerful giving. Or ask yourself maybe a more specific question. Are you giving sacrificially? But hey, what does that actually mean? Well, here's what it means. Does your giving actually cost you anything? Like, do you give in such a way that you can't do other things that you really want to do? I think about this all the time. Whenever I see something desirable that I wish that I could have and I totally know I could afford that thing if I wasn't giving, I think about this all the time. And I could go on that vacation like I see my Facebook friends posting all over the place. If I wasn't giving to the Lord's purposes, I could, I could get that. I could get that luxury car. I could make the payments on that. I could have that nicer whatever it was. Now, I'm not here to tell you how much to give. I'm here to challenge if you're giving sacrificially. Is it actually costing you anything? I'm here to tell you that giving to the Lord's purposes is an investment with eternal dividends. There's no better way to invest your money. No better way than to invest them in God's purposes. And so if we're going to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior, we're going to reflect his generosity as being cheerful, being sacrificial, Givers, just like our God is. Fifth diagnostic question. Just two more. Fifth, are you sharing your faith with others? Are you sharing Jesus with unbelievers? Now, I'll be honest with you. This is the one that hits me the hardest right now. I love to share the gospel of Jesus. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. But can I just admit to you, I am often a wimp when it comes to engaging strangers and unbelievers. It's hard. It's very hard. It is scary. I don't like being rejected. But friends, I know that the times God has given me courage and boldness, the times that I have stepped out in, in faith, stepped out of my comfort zone to bring Jesus up in a conversation, I found myself growing in Jesus. Listen, when we do something hard, and rely on Jesus doing it, 
for the power and strength to do it, we're the ones who benefit. We're the ones who grow because of it. Philemon 6, 6, Paul says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. In other words, Paul says there's a strengthening and deepening that happens when we share our faith with others. Listen, that's not the only reason to share our faith, but it is a reason. So, are you sharing your faith with others regularly? What co-workers or neighbors do you need to share the gospel with? How can you intentionally look for strangers to engage with the gospel of Jesus? Are you using your social media influence and relationships to share the most glorious news in all the world? Which unbelievers can you invite over for dinner or coffee to get to know? Grow in Jesus by sharing Jesus with others. Growing Christians are evangelistic Christians. When we grow in grace and knowledge, we grow in sharing our faith with others. The sixth and final diagnostic question. I want you to ask yourself, are you ferociously consuming God's Word? Are you ferociously consuming God's Word? Now, I think that's the first time I've ever used the word ferociously in a sermon. But I use it to make sure that I'm communicating that I'm not talking about something casual here. I'm talking about something serious and time-consuming and obsessive in a good way. Are you spending time consuming the Bible? Do you read the Bible? Do you study the Bible in depth? Do you memorize portions of Scripture? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, Peter uses this same word for grow that he does in 2 Peter 3.18. He speaks of the Word of God and he says, Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. So that's our goal, to grow up in salvation, to grow up in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. Peter says, how do we do that? We do it by craving God's Word, by consuming God's Word so vigorously like a newborn baby does. Just as our physical bodies are fueled with food and water, so our spiritual lives are nourished on the bread and living water of our Savior in His Word. And so... As you think about 2023, do you have a plan to read and study the Bible this year? Let me encourage you. If you don't already have the ESV Bible app on your phone, you should certainly download it. ESV Bible app on your phone. If you have a smartphone, you can carry around with you the Bible everywhere you go. And not only that, but if you look down at the bottom of the ESV Bible app, there are five icons. The second icon is a calendar icon. It's not a calendar when you click on it. You know what it is? It's Bible reading plans. All manner of Bible reading plans. You can read the Bible chronologically. You can read the Bible in a year. You can read the Bible in three years. You can read the New Testament in 60 days. You can read all kinds of different Bible reading plans by just clicking on that calendar down at the bottom. You don't have to read the Bible on your phone. That might be a distraction for you as it is for me, but you can have a a plan right there. Or on the ESV Bible app, you can click the little speaker icon and somebody will read the scripture to you. While you're driving, while you're exercising, while you're doing the dishes, you can listen to someone read God's Word to you. Do you have a plan to read and study and meditate on the Scripture this year? And so let me encourage you to do something very specific this year with us. Here's the application 
immediately. Study the book of Romans with us in depth this year. Study the book of Romans with us. Join us on this journey to study in depth the book of Romans. Every Christian should know the book of Romans well. This is the, one of the most beloved and powerful books of our Bible. you got to go in depth with Romans at some point. So why not make it this year? We've we got a ton of these Roman scripture journals. Now, you may have seen these before. It's just the, the text of Romans with a blank page in between every page. Uh, these are out on the book table. They're $5 each. If you don't have that money, come talk to me. I'd love to get you a copy. We want you to study Romans with us. You can take sermon notes in these on Sunday mornings. You can underline, circle, draw lines, highlight, a study in depth with one of these. They're a very helpful tool in studying. I encourage you to get one and go deep with Romans with us this year. Think hard, study hard, meditate hard. We're even going to throw out some memory verses as we go along. So for example, the first memory verse we're going to throw out is Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. You can start working on that. Romans 1, 16 and 17 is a verse every Christian should know by heart. Romans series again begins next Sunday, God willing. And so take some time to read through that entire book as we begin that series. Grow in Jesus by ferociously studying God's word this year. So which one of these six diagnostic questions hits you the hardest? Which one is the one that you particularly, God is pressing upon you to say, this is the one you specifically need to work on? Now, of course, all of them we all need to work on, but I encourage you not to think so broadly, but think specifically today. Which one can you begin to apply to your life to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus? Now, look back at 2 Peter 3.18. Peter ends this book with this short but powerful doxology. He says, To him that is to Jesus be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So you see what he's saying? He's saying the only one who gets glory for any growth or obedience in our lives is Jesus. We don't boast in ourselves for any growth that happens in our lives. All our boast is in our King. He deserves all glory both now and forever to the day of eternity. And notice that last word of verse 18. Peter ends this book by saying, Amen. What does that mean to say, Amen? When we say Amen, we're expressing a desire of our hearts. It's, it's a way to, to communicate, this is what we really want. We're saying, yes, Lord, so be it. We want it to be so. Can you say that amen? Can you say, this is the desire of my heart, of my soul? But at the same time, we're not only expressing a desire when we say amen, but we're committing ourselves to doing whatever it is we're saying amen to. We're saying, I commit myself to giving Jesus all glory, both now and forevermore. Saying amen is a way to say, this is what I'm going to be about. This is what I commit myself to. But can you make that solemn pledge over this entire new year? And every day of your life, can you declare that amen to say, this is the desire of my heart, and this is what I give myself to you? Can you declare this amen? If so, I want to invite you with me to declare it now. As Peter says, to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. 
And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Lord, we commit ourselves to glorifying You with everything in us. We commit ourselves to bringing You glory, honor, and praise both now and for eternity. And so make us grow, Lord. Make us grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. Make us grow in all the ways that You want us to grow. We give ourselves to You. We give this year to You. We give our lives to You. We want to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of King Jesus. So Jesus, would You help us do that? For the sake of Your name, would You glorify Yourself in us both now into the day of eternity. All glory be to Christ. All glory be to Christ. We pray it in his name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing that together. All glory be to Christ.